0: Beer and Honey, the German Football Pod. Beer and Honey, the German Football Pod. We're back. I'm back. I'm Raphael Honigstein.
1: And I'm Christoph Biermann.
0: And we both welcome you, dear listener, to our preview for the upcoming reopening of the Bundesliga. The curtain is going back up on Friday with Bayern's trip to Leipzig. But we also have a few other things to talk about. I went to Mabea to watch Dortmund prepare for the second half of the season. Christoph went to the North Sea <laughs> to prepare himself mentally, physically for the second half of the season. I'm interested to see what kind of experiences he made there. Uh, contemplating the future of German football and other things. And just a friendly reminder before we start that, of course, we do thank you very much for your contributions, for your support. But if you happen to be still weighing up the option of uh, helping us keeping our wonderful little pod on the road, then let me encourage you, please become a supporter. We Appreciate your help. And it uh, makes beer and Honey possible. And we'll ensure that we'll continue this lovely podcast.
1: Yes. And um, before we talk about Borussia Dortmund, I'll tell you about my North Sea experience. Uh, because it wasn't the German North Sea, but the Belgian. And um, uh, what can I tell you? I even watched some football. Uh, before going to the north sea i watched um uh, belgium's oldest club and now do you know who belgium's uh, oldest club is mm. <laughs> Three. No, I don't know. so it's a club with a rolling number 1 so every belgium club has a has a number a registration number and the number 1 is uh, it's in Antwerp, with Royal Antwerp, and I watched them playing against, uh, Ghent. And uh, I mean, as we're talking about German football, I would, I would like to pretend that I went there to see, uh, two former Hertha players because Jordan Torunariga is, is doing exceptionally well at Ghent. Unfortunately, he was injured, um, when I was in, um, I was watching uh, the game. And the other one is, um, Jürgen Eckelenkamp, um, who went there, uh, on loan to Royal Antwerp. Yes. And, um, uh, but, but to be honest, it wasn't great football. And I, I, I caught a flu or uh, at least, um, from, from the next day on, I was ill. So my, my trip to the North Sea was not so so um, uh, so well timed, and um, and it was also raining mostly. I mean, not raining, pouring. Uh, mm. So, um Sorry to hear so, so you, I,
0: caught the, you caught the fever. You caught the football fever. Yes, I,
1: I, I never lose it. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. And I, I had time, time enough to think about the Bundesliga, about the restart of 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 the <laughs> the Bundesliga, and envy you, being, uh, not in, in pouring rain, uh, but in the sun. Was it sunny in Marbella? It was
0: beautiful weather. It rained for a couple of days at the beginning, but I arrived on the third day when the sun arrived and the sun never left. And it was just absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, That's how we I know told my you. Wife, I'm, I'm told my wife I'm going there for work, but I think she <laughs> didn't quite believe it. I did do some work and it was very interesting watching Dortmund train. It was very interesting to see them play a little bit. I watched the game against Dusseldorf uh, second division team who they beat 5-1. I uh, watched uh, three training sessions and I had a chance to speak to Emre Can and also to Edin Terzic for pieces that will be in the Athletic in due course.
1: Uh, but but be, before you write it down, maybe you can tell us a bit about... Uh, let, let's let's start uh, with Edin Terzic. I mean, um, you know he is one of my favourites because he's he's such an enormously likable guy i think he's a good coach too and uh, but but he is under pressure actually i mean uh, Borussia Dortmund is lagging behind um, the uh, champions league spots and um, and they have to turn things around in the second part of the season uh, what, what was your impression i mean your personal impression did, does he look like, or did you have the impression that he is under pressure and he feels like this, or, or was he relaxed and easygoing? He seemed fairly relaxed. Uh, I wouldn't say easygoing because you can see
0: the drive, the ambition that every manager at this level has. They're quite intense people. I think otherwise they wouldn't be so successful. So he's not a Carlo Ancelotti, you know, type manager with the feet up and the cigar. And saying, ah, today you know, five v five, and then a bit of corners, and it'll be fine. Um, he is thinking about football a lot, and I think he can feel the pressure—not perhaps so much on himself, but the pressure of the the whole club being in a position where they they cannot be comfortable and uh, well below their own expectations. Twenty five points from fifteen games—that's quite bad. Perhaps worse, so is only twenty five goals scored for a team of such attacking brilliance, at least on paper. Yes, of course, they were without Sebastian Allaire, but you still would expect them to find the target more regularly. And uh, at the end, it's it's all down to him. You know, they are always uh, exonerating circumstances with players being out of contract um, and they have a whole list of players out of contract. And that's a difficult dynamic to, to manage. Uh, injuries and, of course, the fact that the squad is a bit of a mishmash reflecting the different coaches that I've had over the last few years. But ultimately, he is being judged on getting the results and the results have been below expectation in the first half of the season. So yes, um, the pressure is on him, but I don't think he feels it or at least it didn't feel as if it's really showing. I also have to say, Christoph, unlike your, your stint at the North Sea, the whole scenery there is so beautiful and so sunny that it's hard to feel like, oh my God, we're in this terrible crisis because everyone's kind of just happy to be there, happy to be, play football after the winter break, after the World Cup break. So it felt relatively, I would say, optimistic and positive, especially if you could think that maybe it is a bit of a crisis uh, with the Position the table being so
1: disappointing. Uh, but, 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 what is, is his plan? I'm, 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 how, how does he want to, to, um, increase the performance of, of, of the team? He has Sebastian Allaire back. And uh, after you left, there was another, uh, a test match against, uh, um, FC Basel and, uh, they were winning not only six nil, but, uh, Sebastian Allaire was also, uh, scoring a hat trick within seven minutes. So that's a, I mean, like a, a fantastic, a dreamlike comeback for him. I think something at the end of what, what you described as a, not romantic, but, but very optimistic, um, intonated, uh, a trip. Um, it it was the, the the perfect ending to it, um, but but again, what, what what's what's Edin's plan? Well, we didn't talk so much specifics about the tactics.
0: It was more conversation about how he can change this narrative about Dortmund being almost like a bigger version of Leverkusen, <laughs> a team that you almost expect to fail, expect to not quite show up, and the danger of this becoming sort of part of the club identity. And you know, he was. Really saying things like, you know, we have to make sure that everyone has the sense that they experience a real Dortmund game every time. It's not a question of formation so much, but um, having that intensity and that communal experience of a team really trying hard to to play successful football. In terms of tactics, what was interesting that he said that he'd been impressed with how many teams or some teams at the World Cup played in the 4-1-4-1 4-1 formation and looked quite solid. I think he was referring mostly to, to Morocco. Maybe you can describe the creations in a, in a similar formation as well. But he did try that 4-1-4-1 4-1 system in those uh, two games that he played. Um, sometimes, depending on the two mid midfielders in front of the holding midfielder, it was more like the orthodox system with 1-6 and 2 eights that they've played in the Champions League. Sometimes it was more like the system that Guardiola played at Bayern in one year where he had even Thomas Müller in one of the inside positions and it's really five forwards in front of five defenders almost. He's hoping to find that defensive solidity that they had in the beginning of the season but then kind of lost and In Salih Özcan, I think they have a a real classic, good number six that can play that role quite well. Uh, Emre Can, whenever he's played it in the Champions League, he's played actually good in that that system. In the Champions League, they've played more of a three midfield. In the Bundesliga, it's often more of a two. And I think he has to find a way of integrating all these players because now for the first time, (laughs) Dortmund have everyone fit. Which is great, but also poses a problem because you suddenly have so many players for those attacking positions. Just think of the number ten role. I don't think Sebastian Allaire would be fit for the first game against Augsburg. I think there's a chance that we will see him um, maybe as a substitute for a few minutes, but he will not start in my view. Um, so that probably means Mukoko starting uh, through the middle, or maybe uh, Modest. But then you have. Royce, Reina, Brandt, Marlen, Hazard, Adeyemi, Bainu Gittens, and it's going to be really hard, I think, to find the right combination, the right rhythm, and also the right man management. Because one point I think that will be interesting for Dortmund is how they will handle the captain Marco Royce being out of contract and being not so happy. I think that Dortmund haven't really made that big of a push to to keep him they are talking and they might still find some kind of agreement but it is quite clear that Dortmund are not prepared to pay the similar wages that he um, has been receiving so far and you could just sense in training a little bit sometimes a little bit of an unhappiness.
1: Marco Reus earns 11 million euros a year um I would think in the context of Borussia Dortmund that's um, and what they got from him, uh, that's simply too much. Um, On the other side, he is a kind of yeah um, uh, carrier of the flag or so, so because he is uh, the guy at the club that is mostly identified with it. What's your impression? I mean. Will they will they be able or will they be willing to pay him almost as much as he has earned uh, in the in the past because he is Marco Royce or will they uh, eventually let let him go possibly because um, from his um, agent there were also talks that he might leave to. Saudi Arabia even or so to, to um, spend spend some time there. Uh, what do you think? I get the sense that Dortmund are
0: willing to renew the contract, but not at the same level of wages that you just mentioned. If Marco Roy says, you know what, Dortmund is so important to me and I want to finish my career here that I can play for a little bit less money, then they will find agreement. If he feels that he's still like other 33-year-olds in a position of playing two, three, four years really good football at a high level, then he'll probably look elsewhere and look for that last big contract somewhere else. Uh, There is a market for him because of his name, because of his uh, way uh, way of playing. He's a very elegant player, very beautiful to watch when he's fully fit. But of course, he's often been injured. And Dortmund have players in that position, perhaps even more dynamic players than him. So I would say it's a 50-50 chance. Dortmund will not want to do anything that can be seen as getting rid of a player. I think they have to be very careful and very respectful to him. His history, as you said, he's a bit of a figurehead. He's He's an icon at Dortmund, but they won't break the bank doing so. And I think... If they cannot find an agreement, then they wouldn't hesitate to to move on. The,
1: the other big talking point concerning contracts at Dortmund um, uh, is is Yusufa Mokuko. Um Now it seems um, that they are renewing his contract. That it's it's um, ending with this the end of this season, and I I think it would be utterly frustrating for Borussia Dortmund to have this. Um, Uh, This player who has been talked about as the next superstar of Borussia Dortmund, uh, I think even five years back or so when he was uh, 14 and breaking, I I mean, however old he is exactly, um, um, uh, and breaking all these uh, um, goal records in youth football in, in Germany and was an absolute sensation. He wasn't a sensation so far for Borussia Dortmund. He was he, he had some uh, uh, very good games and uh, no doubt about it, but he was not like let's say what we saw from Erling Haaland, for example, in in a similar age. Um, so so uh, how do you judge the, the uh, situation concerning Mukoko? I think Dortmund have set themselves a pretty clear limit of
0: what they think is a reasonable uh, amount of money for him. First of all, of course, they have to be careful because he is still a young player, even if he's slightly older than uh, the 18 years uh, that he's officially. But they can't lift him to the level where he's suddenly on the same level as, you know, Marco Royce or Hummels or, um, you know, Emre Can because that would cause real problems in the dressing room and also negotiations with other players. And I think that offer that they have made, which is quite lower, probably, half of the kind of money that we talked about earlier, reflects that, but also reflects, as you said, his performances, which have been good and promising and good enough to get him into the Germany team for the World Cup, but not necessarily at superstar level and we have to keep him at all costs because the guy is so good. I think they have realized, Dortmund, and maybe they knew this before, that he is probably a little bit too short to lead the line himself. That means you will always need somebody ahead of him or you need to play him in a wide position in a 4-3-3. But he is not going to solve your striking problems and he's not going to be your new number nine that's going to score you all the goals. And that means that, yes, good player, important player for the squad, but not the most important player. His position I think, is such that he will be best behind a centre-forward. And that is a very specific position that not many clubs have have a need for, have a use for, to say, okay, we're going to buy this second striker or this uh, player in the hole, modern number 10, if you will. So I think Dortmund are in a very strong position at the moment to renew. And I think that's why we've seen reports emerging that a decision will be soon in Dortmund. Now, if you saw today, Sebastian Kier speaking in Kicker magazine, saying, we've given them a week to decide uh, to take this off or not, which I think also shows that they're in a very, very good position that they can, they feel that they can almost give the other side an ultimatum.
1: You were also already mentioning uh, Emre Can, you, uh, you have been talking to him, you were mentioning him as one of the players um, that's earning big wages at Borussia Dortmund, um, but also, um, uh, how, how can I say that, causing sometimes frustration among uh, Borussia supporters. Um, to be honest, I'm, I'm not a fan at all of him for me is a bit of a pseudo leader, um, somebody who looks very angry and, um, and aggressive on the pitch, but, um, uh, very often makes, um, easy mistakes and, um, is running all over the place, but, but, um, you know, you don't have the, the, the impression that he is, um, uh, f- following what he is, uh, told to be. So, um, is that too harsh? Um, and 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 what impression did you get from the conversation with him? Well, I understand why you have that impression because he has been, I think,
0: disappointing uh, at his time at Dortmund. But he is such a nice guy, so likable, and feels as if it feels as if he really understands all these issues and wants to wants to do better and wants to help the team. You wonder almost if he puts too much pressure on himself to be a leader. And maybe that is just a bit too much for him, that if he plays in a more defined role, as he was at Liverpool, as he is when he plays that number six in big Champions League games and just told, you know, just sit and you just play it simple to the players in front of you, then he he plays really well. And my judgment, of course, is clouded by the fact that I saw him uh, break into this Liverpool team and he had a fantastic couple of seasons, uh, which is why Juventus picked him up and... I wonder if you you know you play this well in a, in a Liverpool team that was still very much in transition and nowhere near this Liverpool team that we saw over the last few years. Surely there's enough of a footballer in there to help a team like Dortmund. He has talent, he has potential, but we see so little of it, and we see mistakes instead. And I'm hoping for him in Dortmund that we'll see a much stronger second half of the season. But it's going to be difficult for him because in midfield right now there's a lot of competition. Uh, Ostchan is probably, alongside with Bellingham, the closest we have to regular. Then uh, Mudahoud has come back. Uh, Brandt can play in a deeper position as well. So it's not going to be so easy for him, especially if the 4-1-4-1 4-1 is going to lead to more attacking formations with two more attacking number eights in front of maybe Ostchan. Uh, but we also saw him, that was quite interesting, uh, playing as a centre-back in Mabea. Uh, against Fortuna Dusseldorf. Now you can say against Fortuna Dusseldorf, you probably don't need a centre-back. Um, <laughs> but they had a bit of pace and they created one or two chances. They scored a goal as well. Uh, not when he was on the pitch. So I think his versatility will help him. But yeah, he hasn't been the impact that we all expected from him when he moved from uh, from Juventus.
1: Um, be- before we uh, move on to um, the rest of the Bundesliga, Um a question. I mean, the, the big man at Borussia Dortmund right now is Jude Bellingham. He is the star. He is the main attraction. He is also the absolute favorite of, of Borussia Dortmund supporters right now. So he's a, the fan favorite. Um, and he seems to, to be, seems to have an emotional link to the club as well. Um, will the link be or is there a chance that this link will be strong enough uh that he he will stay in dortmund uh beyond this season i mean every every big club is uh thinking about robbing the bank to uh, to get him and um So is there a chance for for Borussia that he stays another year or or do you think, yeah, Christoph, very romantic idea, very nice, but uh, let's face the truth. And the truth is he will go to so-and-so in summer. I think it's very likely that
0: he will leave in the summer. But that is not to say that your observation is wrong and that he doesn't identify with Dortmund and with the people. I think that is very genuine that um, connection that he has with supporters, with people at the club. The people at the club love him. There's so many things he does behind the scenes where they think this is a really, really solid guy who gets it, who is just so different to a lot of footballers who just come and go and see Dortmund as a stepping stone. He doesn't feel that. But I think the the dynamic of the situation with so many big clubs after him just makes it very, very hard for him to say, you know what, the best place for me to continue growing is, is Dortmund. Um, he is he's kind of outgrown the club already. If you're the best player in your team at the age of nineteen, it probably means you you need to step step up and find find better teammates.
1: I think we will see him in the Premier League next season. There is more brain drain um, from the Bundesliga to the Premier League, um, even this winter. Uh, two players um, just recently went to, to um, not the big clubs. Uh, Kevin Schade from uh, Freiburg went to Brentford for a reported twenty-five million euros, and um, last weekend it was Georgino uh the French player from Hoffenheim, who joined Leeds for. Uh, what I said, almost 40 million uh, pounds. Um, I'm wondering if um, both players were overpaid. Uh, but um, on the other side, I, I was thinking about if uh, Premier League clubs um, have become smarter with their recu- recruitment in, in Germany, because actually um, Kevin Schalder, for example, is has the potential to be an outstanding player, maybe that um, I, I see some similarities between him and um, Leroy Sané, for example, and also Giorgino, Ruter, who only had a half year in the Bundesliga fully convincing. Before that, he was so-and-so great days, not so great days, uh, very often diving and, and so on. But um so the Premier League clubs are, are, are um, spending a lot of money on potential uh, for the f- from the Bundesliga. I think it's a bit intimidating. Well, I think you can look at it both ways
0: because you know, Freiburg is selling a player with lots of potential, but potential doesn't always translate into performances. And when you can achieve that kind of money, and bring in two, three players that you know will help you almost guaranteed, then it's a deal you have to make. I think, same with Hoffenheim, you know, you get that kind of offer, it makes a huge difference for them. And they look at Ruta's performances and he scored two goals this season, and, you know, he scored four goals last season. And you think, does it really, is it really a huge brain drain or, or quality drain for us? Um, Maybe not. I would say Brentford always buy smart, always buy uh, at good prices, very rarely get things wrong because of their deep analytics and very good scouting. Um, Leeds, yeah, they, they like to take a punt on players sometimes, but I think the Bundesliga or these Bundesliga clubs, they actually welcome that kind of money. Um, yes, it's not nice when you lose players, but at the same time, this kind of price that you can achieve, you wouldn't achieve if Kevin, uh, Schade goes from Freiburg to, let's say, Borussia Mönchengladbach, which would be sort of the logical step up inside the league. Um, or used to be, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it shows you the, it shows that the, the Premier League does hoover up a lot of talent and the Bundesliga can't, be isolated from them. But I think it also helps these teams quite a lot uh, to achieve these kind of prices for players that are not quite instrumental or
1: hugely vital for their squads at this point. This weekend, the Bundesliga starts, restarts um, on Friday. Um, Bayern is playing against Leipzig. But who will be in goal <laughs> at Bayern? So, I, uh, to me, that's a b- big surprise of of this um, winter break so far. Um, there are some transfers, some play- players leaving. We, we have talked about it. Some some were coming. No, nothing very spectacular, to 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 be honest. But I I, I find it spectacular that Bayern doesn't have a. New goalkeeper that uh, um, takes the uh, role of Manuel Neuer for the uh, second part of the season. Well, as Julian Nagelsmann has said, Sven Ulreich can do a job. Uh, If that's not a ringing
0: endorsement, I don't know what is. (laughs) Uh, But it is uh, right, of course, that they are looking for a slightly more substantial option at the back or between the posts. And uh, negotiations with Jan Sommer and Borussia Mönchengladbach have restarted. And usually um, history tells us that when it looked as if a deal doesn't happen and then the two parties come back together, that there's been movement and a realistic chance of this deal going through. Of course, it it depends on a lot of things because this is a domino effect. If Borussia Mönchengladbach sell Jan Sommer, then they need a new number one. Then a new number one comes from another club. Then another club needs a new number one, etc. So... And usually nobody wants to change their number one goalkeeper in in January, of course. But I think there's a good chance that uh, Jan Sommer will, will arrive. And there's also, I think, a good chance that Jan Sommer will be in goal come the start of next season because, uh, unfortunately, the injury to Manuel Neuer, as is slowly emerging, is uh, quite serious, perhaps more serious than uh, initially anticipated and uh, there is simply no guarantee that he'll be back by let's say July uh, or August and start for the new season in in, in his best shape um, there's every uh, hope that he will be able to play football again in 2023 but it might take a little bit longer uh, which is why Bayern don't just want somebody for the next six months but perhaps for the next 10 or eight nine months who knows um, and that's why they are pushing quite hard for Jan Sommer at this point.
1: What what I found surprising in this debate is, um, I mean, they have a, a goalkeeper. They, he is out on loan, Alexander Nübel, who plays in Monaco. Uh, uh, but, but the situation seems to be very odd. I mean, um, uh, I, I just read today that Julian Nagelsmann hadn't talked to, to him so far. And I, I find that strange. And uh, obviously, there haven't been much talks between Nübel and the, the, the Bayern side. Um, strange again. I mean, in this situation, I, I, I mean, a normal reaction would be, I, I, I ring this by, ask him, how is he? What are ah, his plans? How how does he feel? Tell him about our situation, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, what am I missing? <laughs> Why is I think it you're a- missing that.
0: Um, well, you're not missing anything, but what perhaps hasn't been that apparent or that obvious is that the relationships between Nübel and uh, and Bayern and the, specifically the Bayern goalkeeping coach uh, Tonita Palovic, who is also the best friend of Manuel Neuer, um, haven't been good. Mm. And Nübel felt that at Bayern he didn't really get a realistic chance of playing. Yes, it might have been in this contract or verbal agreement that he gets a number, of, a certain number of games. But Neuer wasn't happy, and with Neuer really calling the shots, beyond being the number one, but also having some influence in his mind, Nübel's mind on on the way that goalkeeping is being trained, etc. He felt that it would just be a very bad step for him to go back there and. Yes, play for the next six, eight, nine months, but then be very much number two again, or at least being sort of dependent on Noah coming back. Uh, He wants to play, he wants to be a number one. His career has been stalling since moving to Bayern because he just hasn't been playing. And he was never prepared just to be that number one, sorry, that number two, I think Rightly or wrongly, he was under the impression that he was more of a challenger to Noah than he really was, and he made it very clear in, in interviews that he just doesn't see the point of going back. Mm-hmm. And I think Bayern obviously tried, but they've basically been receiving a no both from Monaco and from the goalkeeper through his agent. So what are you, you know, what what is there to say at that point? Um, You can say, well, you're still a Bayern player and we'd like you to to come back. But of course, they loaned him out for a reason because it didn't really work out with him as a number two at Bayern. But yeah, uh, strange uh, in a way. But then again, goalkeepers often come with their own... Uh, personalities, uh, own problems, own ideas. And I guess that's why we have such an unorthodox situation of an on-loan player refusing to come back.
1: Maybe that's an occasion uh, to um, uh, have a bit of learning Fußball-Deutsch. Learning Fußball-Deutsch with beer and honey. Links außen und Torhüter sind bekloppt. And um so, what's this in English? Well, a whole sentence, not just a
0: not just a term. Um, well, there's a there's a saying in German football that um left wingers and goalkeepers, all are a bit nuts. And I'm not so sure about the left-wingers these days because a lot of them are inverted wingers who are really right-wingers playing on the left. So they're either normal people pretending to be nuts or nuts people trying to be normal. Um, But goalkeepers, I think we all know where the cliche stems from. Uh, Increasingly, I would say goalkeepers are actually quite normal people as well, especially in Germany, very calm, very uh, rational, a lot of them. But... um, it is a very specific situation and perhaps the one position where you are a bit of an individual sports
1: person rather than a team sports person at least to some extent um maybe maybe their their, their craziness these days shows not in uh, crazy behavior but they reading books on the on the bus they study and uh, they have their own foundations and and uh, do some extra work so so um a, a lot of goalkeepers have special activities that a lot of their colleagues don't uh, don't do well i guess when you don't run that much you have more time
0: to uh, to think <laughs> um But before we go, I think we should have a quick look, um, Christoph, at the big stories and the big games coming up at the weekend. Uh, Friday night sees Bayern travel to Leipzig. A Leipzig team that I think you declared as number one Bayern Jäger, if I recall correctly. The one team that might actually threaten Bayern. With a win at home, they could get to within three points of this Bayern team but bayern from what we've seen from the training camp have looked actually quite sharp so i think it'll be tough for them
1: leipzig also looked good so um um i think the easiest prediction for this one it will be a a top match to watch
0: yeah i think
1: that is uh, an easy prediction
0: and uh, an accurate one especially with konrad laimer coming back i think he's such a big player for for leipzig for the moment and in future for for bayern um, one of the best transition players in in Europe, perhaps. Uh, one player that I really look forward to seeing again is Florian Wirtz. He's been out forever after uh, rupturing his cruciate ligament. Didn't quite make it to the World Cup, um, but has been looking sharp and playing as a force number nine in some of the preparation games for Bayer Leverkusen and Xabi Alonso. They travel to Borussia Mönchengladbach on Sunday. A Gladbach team that you feel are more in danger of going further down the table than really challenging at the top. Is that
1: your view as well? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, also they got an uh, get an important player back, Florian Neuhaus, who had a uh, had a difficult injury. Also, Hannes Wolf is back with uh, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, so they have more options. Um, My feeling is more that they um, tend to end up in some mid-table obscurity and... um we won't do it today but um our producer york who is a big uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, supporter wants us to do the bigger dive into what's going on at, at Borussia Mönchengladbach and we will do that soon um because uh, the prospects are difficult for 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 the uh, club uh, because of, uh, many important contracts are running out and Um, And this could be a a terrible summer for for Borussia uh, Mönchengladbach. Yeah, and talking about
0: terrible summers, um, VfL Bochum and Christoph, your uh, favorite team, they are hosting Hertha in a real six-pointer. Hertha on 14, uh, Bochum on 13, down at the bottom end of the Bundesliga. What's your feeling for for bochum
1: i'm strangely optimistic not only for 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 this match but but also for the rest of the season. We talked about it that um uh, Thomas Letch, the new coach, had turned things round. They did also um uh, loan out to to players that I think can actually help them. One is kevin schlotterbeck um the the brother of Nico Schlotterbeck, who plays at Borussia Dortmund uh has a left-footed um uh, central defender and i think he will um increase the uh, quality um of the defensive work of um of uh, VfL um uh, very much because I, he is he's a very good defender um sometimes a bit yeah um uh, uncon- not so concentrated and, 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 uh, so, so, um, he got a lot of anger about this from uh, Christian Streich. So in the end, they, he, uh, they loaned uh, him from Freiburg to Bochum. The other is Pierre Kunde, uh, formerly playing in Mainz, uh, defensive midfield player who came from Greece. And I, I think his aggressiveness and speed and so on, uh, can also help them, uh, during the season. So it will be difficult but uh, um uh, there's a chance and um but you're right this um uh, match against hertha is is very important um uh for for what's going on for the rest of the season but that's also true for <coughs> stuttgart um uh, they're hosting Mainz, um 05 um and uh, with new coach bruno labadia bruno labadia um and um you're smiling and um so this is a kind of what kind of smile is that bruno Labbadia smile you're smiling there
0: uh, a knowing smile because you know that uh bruno is um, is good at what he does which is to rescue teams by working them really really hard and then in the second half of the in the second season things go south very very quickly but he is supposed to be the firefighter, the savior. And Stuttgart have a chance. They have a lot of technical players. I'm not sure they're They're so geared to his particular game uh, plan. Uh, we'll have to see. Before we go, we should talk about a impending appointment at the German FA. Uh, they've been looking for a new sporting director. Freddie Bobich has said no, it's not for me, and they have found an old fan favorite, Um
1: the unique, the the one and only, Rudy Föller. Yeah, es gibt nur ein Rudy Föller. I mean, we should sing this uh, now. Es gibt nur ein Rudy Föller to the tune of "Fontana Yes, of course. Hey, Rudi hey, Rudi hey. And. um Yes, uh, we had this uh, fantastic task force national team, um, seven people, and and one of them, one of them has appointed himself. I try to imagine the situation. So sitting around the table, and then all of a sudden, ever more people looking. In the direction of Rudi Völler, who is the retired uh, sports director of uh, um, uh, Bayer Leverkusen, preparing um, or or had already started his life as a football pensioner. (laughs) And and, uh, hey, Rudi, what about you? Couldn't you do it? And I think maybe it was a bit similar, um, back in the days when he was appointed the German national coach, because, uh, the, this situation was exactly described as such that everybody was li- sitting on the table and suddenly there was this elephant <laughs> in the room and <laughs> Rudi could do it. <laughs> and then he, yeah, and, and then he couldn't escape anymore and he became he was a fan favorite as a, as a, as a, uh, a player, as a, as a striker, Werder Bremen, um, uh, Munich 1860. He was, he was loved by Roma supporters. He was loved as, um, as a German national coach. He was even loved as a sports director at Bayer Leverkusen by the rest of the Bundesliga because, I mean, he's a likable guy. I mean, if his his mood is, uh, if he has a mood swing, he can 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 be a bit choleric. And uh, but also this is part of the uh, football folklore in Germany. There is this uh, famous interview um, when Germany playing on the was it the Faroe Islands or was it Iceland? I don't Iceland. It was Iceland. Yes, and. and, 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 when he was, he was killing, um, uh, Waldemar Hartmann, uh, a famous, uh, football reporter from German TV.
0: Aber ich kann diesen Käse nicht
1: mehr hören und bei jedem Spiel, wenn
0: wir kein Tor geschossen haben und dann ist noch ein tieferer Tiefpunkt, als wir eigentlich schon hatten. Also so einen Scheiß, den kann ich
1: nicht mehr hören. Also das ist für mich das allerletzte. Muss ich ehrlich sagen, so wechseln den Beruf ist besser. Zogen Sie sich nicht den, im Moment den falschen Nein, ich suche mir genau den richtigen, den aus. Ich sitze hier, ich sitze jetzt
0: seit drei Jahren hier. Hier muss man diesen Schwachsinn immer anhören. Das ist einfach so.
1: He is loved by everybody, but is he also the the right choice for being a sports director?
0: The fact that it might be Rudi Völler shows you how this job is being seen. This is not going to be a new Oliver bierhoff who does everything. Um, you know, from the academy to who's the under-18s coach. I think this is very much a bit of a sidekick, a bit of a helping hand to Hansi Flick, where I think also Lothar Mateus might have done a decent job. Uh, But it's a specific role. And I think Woody is, is in a good position to do it, especially when I think the German FA have realized that the key problem or the key thing they need to sort out is actually having that connection with the supporters again to change the conversation around the national team yes results will help you but it's only friendlies until the euros so how can you make the team more likable how can you people feel better about the national team while well, appointing somebody like Rudy feller will I think do the trick at least to a certain extent whether he can really push the necessary reforms innovations structural changes i'm not so sure but i think they would probably try and appoint somebody else below him next to him aside from him to do all these jobs because all these jobs need need to be done as well Uh, just don't order him a vice beer or a latte macchiato because it's that's not the kind of drink that he wants
1: (laughs) he is um um, I think it's, it's actually a kind of image transfer that's uh, going on here. So uh, we've talked about his image and exactly this closeness to fans, to the people, this warm feeling that, that he gives most of the football supporters in Germany. That is exactly, um, one thing that was, uh, lacking in the, um, in the recent past. So, um, I think, um, it's actually a good choice and we shouldn't underestimate him. He's all, he, he, I mean, he is not the, not so much the man on the ground, but, um, he was responsible for, uh, also for, um, keeping, uh, Bayer Leverkusen in the top position of German, in one of the top positions of German football. And I think you can, you can't do it uh, only by being, the nice guy and the being Rudy Füller. So um um and they at Leverkusen they give him a lot of credit for what he did. So um he's not just a, a nice puppet. Christoph I think that's uh, all we have
0: time for, for this week. We uh, uh thank you dear listener for listening to us for subscribing for supporting us remember you can support us by becoming a paid up member of this little very exclusive um, club of ours, the podcast supporters club, by going to steadyhq.com slash en slash beer uh, and honey. The pod is available at all your regular outlets. Tell your friends, buy yourself an, a late Christmas present or an early Easter present. Become a subscriber. <laughs> we'll be back very soon at the beginning of next week to discuss, of course, a match day. 16, uh, match day one in 2023, whichever way you want to have it. Until such time, thank you very much. I've been Raphael Honigstein.
1: And I'm Christoph Biermann. Bye-bye. Bye. Beer and Honey, the German football podcast.